good morning. So great to have you with us this morning as we worship God together and as we're celebrating his presence. And I trust that you are experiencing his presence right where you are. It is good to know that when we can enter into his presence that God invades our space as we praise and worship him. So we pray that God is really ministering to you right where you are through the prayer, through the worship, and uh, also we're ready to get to a word that he would have us to hear this morning. So I want to draw your attention to uh, a passage of scripture that I think is very important for us in this day and time, especially when we are really kind of cut off from our relationships. And because of the pandemic, uh, we're really feeling, at least I know I am, we're feeling uh, distance and the social distancing has put a damper on relationships. Um, I think you can agree that when it comes to the distance that we feel in our relationships with others, it really has an emotional impact on us. Uh, Sometimes it could lead to a little bit of feeling alone, uh, to the point of feeling depressed about it, uh, not being able to have normal activity with people that we normally get together with or like to get together with. But here, it is, here we are. We're trying to make the best of somewhat of a bad situation. And so I, I, I want to draw your attention today to a, a very simple uh, couple verses. And I want to share a thought with you. And it comes from Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. And it draws our attention, I'm drawn to this because uh, Paul is talking about the importance of friends. And um, today I want to talk to you about this subject about friendship and how important it is. And I want to call it a friend who prays. A friend who prays. Do you have a friend that prays? We're going to talk about the importance of having friends, but especially having a friend that praise. So before we get into the text, let's just uh, have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the day and thank you for the moment that we're here. We pray, Lord Father, that you would speak to us. We invite your, your word, Father, to impact our lives. We pray wherever we are in our walk with you, wherever we are, Father, in our situation and wherever we are placed or sitting today, we ask, Lord, that you would meet us where we are. We thank you for your word. We trust you that you have a word for each and every person under the sound of my voice. We thank you that you will get the glory, honor, and praise for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. I'm reading from the English Standard Version today. The word of the Lord says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, and that you may stand firm and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea in Hierapolis. When we look at the scripture, Paul is, is, is really... It would be as though Paul is taking what I call a group photo. Um, maybe you've been out with some friends or family members, and one of the things that really makes it special is when you take those 
those group photos. You know, you take those pictures where, you know, it's a memory of being together. And then when you look back on it, you go, wow, I remember that event. And you remember the event because you also enjoy seeing the people in the picture. Sometimes when you show people pictures like that, they know, of course, you're in the picture. They see you in the picture, perhaps. And uh, as they're looking at the picture, they're asking about the event. And then they're going to say, well, who's this? And who's this? And who's this? And who's this? And as you begin to start talking about the relationships and who, who they are and what they mean to you, they kind of get a sense of who you are. They get a sense of the value that you have in relationships. And so here Paul is at the point where he's, he's actually in prison and he's writing a letter. Um, Epaphras is actually a pastor. And, and while he's writing this letter, it seems as though chapter 4, it's kind of like this, the credits on a, on a screen where he's just running down names. And you might even want to skip over it because the meat of the letter is kind of read up front. But really, there's a lot of importance to what he's talking about when he talks about people in his life. There is a, an article that I was reading uh, just a little while ago, um, some time ago, and I, and I began to uh, think about it where there was a lady by the name of Dr. Susan Diggs White, um, and she wrote an article in Psychology Today, and she called it, How Many Friends Do You Really Need in Adulthood? Kind of interesting topic. How many friends do you really need in, in adulthood? Um, as I read the article, she first begins with, well, you really have to understand how friendships are built. Um, so she talks about the levels of friendship. And we all have levels of friendship. We all have different stages of friendship. And um, she says the first level is it starts off with an acquaintance. Um, an acquaintance is simply this, is that um, you see someone fail kind of like on a regular basis. Sometimes, you know, you may meet them in the store quite often. Maybe a person who's working at the cash register and you kind of strike up a conversation. But the conversation isn't deep. The conversation starts out like, hi, how you doing? It, may start, it also may talk about, well, you know what? We're having nice weather today. Or, you know, did you hear what's going on in the news? Let's talk about sports a little bit. And you might talk about the box scores. You may talk about something that just kind of on your mind, but nothing deep. It's just really just an, an acquaintance. It's just small talk. Now, now, in order to have a deep relationship, you got to start off with small talk. Everybody starts off with small talk. You know? And you have those relationships, and sometimes they never go beyond small talk. They, sometimes they just stay, you know, hi, how you doing? Good to see you. And then you just go on your merry way. But there are casual friendships. That's, that's uh, people that you spend time with, you share some activities, maybe have a group that you get together with. Maybe it might be a Zoom dancing group, or it might be, it might, it might be a group that you actually do uh, play tennis, or you actually have a biker's group. You know, so if you ride bikes, you know, sometimes you want to get with a group of people. And so these are, these are casual friendships that you cross on a regular basis and whom you kind of gotten to know fairly well. But it's kind of like you love being together. But then it gets into having what they call close friendships. And close friendships always start with acquaintances. 
they turn into casual friendships. But then there might be a mutual admiration, some type of affinity, um, where you're really saying, you know what, we have a connection. There's something about you and I that we just don't just like each other. We kind of like some of the same things. I don't, I don't know if you have a friend that you just kind of like the same things. It's getting together. You just kind of like doing the same things. And you kind of talk about the same things. You have something really connecting in common. Uh, you know, maybe it's shopping. You know, there's some, some, some folks just like shopping, and they'll, they'll connect, and they just love shopping. It doesn't matter when it is or if there's a sale or not. It's just kind of something they just love to do. They just love to connect and say, you know what, when we shop together, there's just something going on. You know, my wife has that going on. She, uh, she has a, a friend that now live in, te in Texas, and so anytime they get together, it's like shopping. They're just kind of out there, and they're just kind of going, going through the malls and running the credit cards and say, look at what we bought. But you know, really, it's not just the shopping. It's about the friendship, too. It's about being together. And so you have those close relationships. But then comes the intimacy of a relationship. That's number four, the intimacy of a relationship. These are the friends that you let what they call in your inner sanctum. These are the, these are the ride and die folks. These are the folks that really know your heart. These are the folks that you can just tell them anything, the secrets, of, secrets in your life, things that you never probably told anybody else. You got that friend that, you know what, you don't scare me when you tell me what's on your heart. These are the people that you get in a fight with and, you know, you'll be mad at each other, but you already know you ain't leaving them because they're, they're very intimate with you. They're very close with you. And so when you read this chapter, chapter 4, and even starting at verse 7, all the way to verse 18, Paul is starting to mention all these different names of people that were very special to him in his ministry. You see, when you do ministry and you do service to others, and you're, especially if you're a church leader, you need some really good people around you. Sometimes we don't consider how special people really are um, until something happens. But Paul made mention of these special people. And I just want to just talk about a few of them, and then we're going to talk about a special person that he had in his life that he really, really depended on. So when you're reading, starting from verse 7, chapter 4, it talks about a guy named Tychicus. Tychicus. Kind of funny name, Tychicus. Um, in verse 7 of Colossians chapter 4, it says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. He says, I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your heart. Something about Tychicus was, uh, was Paul's kind of like running buddy. He, 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 he just kind of ran with Paul. Uh, he, the Bible tells us that he was, a, he was a brother, a faithful brother, a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Um, you know, we need those kind of people. You need those kind of people in your life. Uh, are people that will really come beside you to be dedicated, to be faithful. And so he was make mentioning of this brother. Then he mentions a guy named 
Onimesius. Now Onimesius had, had, some, had some problems in the beginning because he was a, he was a, he was a slave and he ran away from a slave master. Um, it's kind of like slave meaning employee. You know, he, 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 had, a, he had a master, a, an employer, and you know, he ran away from him. He wasn't all that honest. And he met up with Paul and Paul shared the gospel and he got converted. And so it's interesting that Paul befriended this guy. He wasn't faithful too much in the beginning, but he turned out faithful after Christ came in his life and he met up with Paul. And so in verse 9, he talks about Onesimus, who was a faithful dear brother. He's also a faithful dear brother in the Lord. He was the kind of guy who was on the team, but he didn't start out faithful. He didn't start out a very good prospect to be on the team with, with Paul, but he ended up being faithful. And then it mentions another person in verse 10. His name is Artis Tarkis. Artis Tarkis. He, he's a guy who was very sympathetic. You know, you, do you have a friend that's very sympathetic to you? You know, they don't mind listening to your stories. They don't mind listening to your failures. They're not going to come down on you when you make a mistake. I, I, I'm glad I got, I got friends like that. They, you know, you can tell them, you know, how bad it is. And they won't, get, they, they won't start to get down on you because they're, they're very sympathetic. They have a sympathetic heart. Artis Tarkas was one of those friends. You need a friend who is going to encourage you and not judge you every time you have a mishap. You know, we do have mishaps, don't we? You know, we're not perfect. And so we need people who's around us in our sphere to help us even when times that we are having difficulty. So Artis Tarkas, he was the one who has had a sympathetic heart. He was a man who was empathetic. He had empathy for Paul. And then he talks about a, a fourth guy named Mark. His name was, was John Mark. It wasn't uncommon for people to have two names. You know, you got friends that got two names. Sometimes they got four names. You know, you're talking about your friend, and you may have that nickname for them. And, um, you know, you use that in a certain way, in a certain company. You may use their nickname. But it's not uncommon to have two names because Romans would have two names. John Mark was Barnabas's cousin. Barnabas was, you know, as we look at the church being formed, Barnabas was a very powerful resource and help to Paul. When Paul couldn't be trusted, Barnabas was the guy who would vouch for him. Because Paul started out as a murderer. You know, he was a conspirator. He was a, he was a pretty bad dude. And actually, the church people were afraid of him. But he had Barnabas, who was an advocate. Barnabas was a guy who said, you know, I, I know this guy looks dangerous. I know he's the guy that you don't want to deal with because you heard about his past. But he's really converted. I'm going to hang with him. And he was actually one to vouch for Paul. Where would Paul be without a Barnabas? Where would you be without a friend who advocates for you? Think about a person who advocated for you when nobody else believed, when nobody else wanted to give you a chance. This was Barnabas. 
He's John Mark's cousin. And John Mark was a friend of Paul, but he, he had his rough patches. Because John Mark was a guy that he had this proclivity that when things got difficult, he'd run. I mean, Paul got in some real challenges, and Paul got in some real difficulties. And, and, and when the challenge would come, and the difficulty and the danger to preach the gospel and your life was threatened, he looked for John Mark, and John Mark was gone. John Mark would desert him at points in time. Now, I don't know about you. Have you ever had someone who you thought was kind of the ride and die person, and all of a sudden they just deserted you? This is John Mark. And in fact, when Barnabas wanted to take John Mark on a, a mission tour with him, and uh, he said, Paul, I, I think I want to bring John Mark. We're going to go and do another missionary trip. Paul said, oh, no, we don't want him back. Absolutely not. But time came where John Mark actually grew and understood the importance of relationship and friendship and mended his relationship with Paul. And Paul said, you know, John Mark, I think you're ready for ministry now. We, and he talks very favor, favorably about John Mark. Then he talks about a fifth friend named Jesus Justice. Imagine having a name Jesus Justice. But his name was, just, his name was Justice in Rome, but they call him Jesus Justice. But Jesus is really another name because in Hebrew it, it means also Joshua. It's translated Joshua. So it wasn't, it wasn't strange to have someone called Jesus. But to separate the Jesus, the Son of God, he was called Jesus Justice. And Jesus Justice was a co-worker with Paul. That's in verse 11 of chapter 4. He was a co-laborer. He was one that came along. So Paul had many different friends. And if you read the book of Romans, he goes through in the 26th chapter, he goes, he goes all through Scripture and, and names different people who were instrumental in his work of ministry. But I want to get to this person here. His name is Epaphras. Epaphras. Well, first thing about Epaphras, he's, he's named in the first chapter of the book of Colossians in, chap in verse 7. It says that Epaphras was a fellow servant of the Lord. In fact, he was a dear fellow brother. He labels him a very close, close relationship with Paul. And he's a servant of Paul. He served Paul and he also served the Lord. Do you know you need friends that are really committed not only to the relationship between each of you or committed to you as a person, but you also need them committed to the Lord too. Some relationships, they're just committed to the Lord and never, not really committed to you at all. But he was both. And the Bible called him a faithful servant. You know, we need faithful friends, especially now. We don't, we don't need people to just come and go. We need some faithful friends. Do you need faithful friends? Put that in chat box. I need some faithful people around me. Have you ever thought about your relationships right now? And ask yourself, out of all the acquaintances and the casual relationships I have and the people that I know, who, who's the faithful people that you can call a fellow co-laborer? I always say, 
when you're reading Gideon's army, one of the, one of the truths about this, this whole understanding of Gideon's army, when they had to whittle down the army from thousands to 300, it gets into this very simple thing. It's not how many people you can count. It's how many people you can count on. There's a whole lot of people that can be counted. But the question is, out of all those people that you know, who can you actually count on? So here it is. Epaphras was a guy he could count on. Epaphras was a guy that he could actually send with letters. He can send to do mission work. He can send them to actually stand in as an interim while Paul was even in prison. In verse 12, it talks about Epaphras, who was a servant of Christ. But here's what he really focuses on about this servant of God who was a great friend of his. The Bible tells us that he struggled in prayer. Uh, let me ask you a question. How many praying friends do you have? You know, you may have friends that like to go different places with you. They, they like to have conversation with you. You can laugh with them. You can go to movies. You can go to picnics. You can even travel even to some, place, some nice places. You can go bowling, all types of activities. And certainly it's great to get together with friends. But if you ask yourself the question, do you have a friend that prays? See, he says here that Epaphras is one of you, a servant of the Lord, who greets you. And number one, he's always struggling and agonizing for you in prayer. And he tells us what the agonizing was. It's like a struggle. And this is why he's struggling. He's, he's struggling that they may be assured and fully stand and mature and fully assured in the, in the will of God. Meaning that Epaphras knew something about spiritual growth. And he knew that as a friend, as a comrade of Paul, he says, you know, as, as a church, I'm standing in the gap. I'm standing in the gap for you, Paul. I'm standing in the gap for others because I know that my prayers are important for people to grow and stand firm, to be fully engaged in the will of God for their lives. Do you know there's a lot of people who are good friends, but they're not necessarily people who's going to go through that task of struggling to see that your life is fully engaged in God's will. But here it is. He's a friend who prays. And the Bible tells us that he said, for, for I bear witness that he's worked hard. He's a hard worker in prayer. He's a hard worker. And he's working uh, for you and he's working for others to see that they also are standing firm and fully assured in the will of God. Here's what I want to challenge you with. As you think about your friends, as you think about your acquaintances, and as you think about people that you just love to be with. Who are the people that will struggle in the area of prayer to see that your life is fully developed in experiencing the will of God for your life? And also, let me reverse that. Are you a friend to someone 
Are you praying for a friend who you see might be a new believer? Or maybe you see that they're stuck in their relationship with God. Or you see that there's someone that they were growing and then all of a sudden things begin to happen where they just got stymied and stuck. And now they're not necessarily too passionate about serving and doing ministry. Maybe God is calling you to be a friend that prays. I'm so glad that I, I can name some, a few people, not a whole lot of people, but a few people who are struggling for me to fulfill God's will and purpose for my life. An Epaphras is not easy to stumble across, but when you have them, they're valuable. And you know what? People may think that praying for your friend is like, ah, you know, that's nice. But here it is that Paul understood it was not only nice, but it was critical to have him as a friend who prays. I want to ask you, don't you think it's time that as you look at your relationships with others, your friends, your family, it might be a time where God is calling you not just be a friend who talks and listens and wants to accompany them in their time of need or to have some fun and just laugh. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But I think that God is calling us in a place where we become a friend who prays. And so I remember in this church many, many years ago that there was a small group of people, small group, maybe five or six people. Many of them were, you know, they were seniors at that point. And every Saturday night they would come to the sanctuary and they would actually pray for the entire congregation by name and by need, by name and by need. So if they knew your name, they would pray for you. If they knew your need, they would pray for you. And you know what they were called? They were called friends for prayer. The, the important thing that they saw was that all friends need people that pray. And God is calling He's calling you to a higher level in prayer to pray for your friends. And some of your friends need to learn how to pray for you. And I'm going to pray right now that God would raise you up as a praying friend. Not just as a fun friend. Not just a person who loves to chat and loves to talk and loves to just kind of be around people and loving the fact that they're around you, but why that's so important to have, and it's nice to have, and it's enjoying to have, we need to have friends that pray. And so today, maybe you, maybe you need to ask the Lord not just to meet your need for finances or to meet your need for something material. Maybe you need to say, God, would you make me a friend that prays? And Lord, would you also give me a friend that prays? He can give you a friend that prays, just like Epaphras stood beside Paul. Someone can stand beside you as a friend for prayer. So let's pray for that. And let's ask God to make us 
a friend who prays, and also cause someone to come in our life as a friend who prays. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this uh, opportunity, Lord, to pray. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for Paul, who recognized the importance of friendships. Father, we thank you that you have not called us to be alone. You have not called us to be in a place where we are separated from relationships and think we can do life on our own. But thank you, Lord, for all these relationships that Paul has mentioned, and there's so many more. But I thank you for the Epaphras, a man who prays. He was a friend that wasn't afraid to struggle and to fight and to push in prayer to everyone, Father, that was connected to him, was fully invested and fully engaged in your will. So Lord, I pray that we will be a person who's a friend that prays for others and prays for our friends. And I pray if we don't know someone who's praying for us, Lord, I pray that God, that you, by the help of the Holy Spirit, would direct people into our lives who are called to pray for us. I thank you, Lord, today for raising up a great amount of intercessors. And Father, we just thank you today, Lord, because you're doing a powerful thing through the work of those who pray for their friends. And we thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Maybe you're watching this uh, broadcast today for the first time. We just want to thank you so much for being a part of our worship experience. But maybe you have not ever received Christ as your personal Savior before. He's a, he, Jesus died that he might come into your life, that you might have life. His love, his grace is sufficient each and every day. So if you haven't received Christ, I'd like to lead you in a prayer to open your heart to receive him. Would you just open your heart right now and ask the Lord to come into your life? Would you say these words, Lord Jesus, I thank you for you coming to the earth. I thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross. Thank you for being buried. Thank you for being risen from the dead. Lord, with all my heart, I believe. In my mouth, I confess that you, Lord, come into my life. Pray that you would live in me, live through me. Help me to serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you meant it from your heart, please write us. You go to alccambridge.org, or you go to ALCCAM as you're writing, write us an email. You can ask, uh, just tell us that you receive Christ, and certainly we'll get back to you, and we'll help you to grow in your faith, because this is a growing thing. So we want to just help you to do that.